Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A word of warning. This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather and today I am joined by Sydney who's coming to us all the way from the States. Welcome Sid. Hi. I'm so happy to have you on. We have been having a really good chat before we started recording and I'm so happy to have you on. You are such a beautiful energy. I like the vibe that you've got. Um, You've got a border collie too. We've got so much in common. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do, your hobbies, things like that? I'm Sydney, but uh, my friends usually call me Sid. I just graduated nursing school. Um, I'm going to be a labor and delivery nurse in August, which is really exciting. So two months away. I do have a border collie. Um, She is absolutely so spoiled, Um, which I love spoiling her. Like I I definitely (laughs) need her this way. Um, Like it's kind of funny because she only drinks purified water. Like she she would not drink tap water so like like it's okay yeah so I just moved into a new apartment so first place on my own which is really exciting um and just a new part of my life uh that I am excited to like start um exploring myself and really being on my own I love that so much. And as you're talking about that, you've got your little border collie asleep on the bed next to you, don't you? Yeah. She loves sleeping in my bed now because it's big enough for me to like not touch her while I sleep. Cause like I'll fall asleep next to her or like, I'll just be next to her while she's sleeping. And if I accidentally touch her, then she like gets up and looks at me like, why did you do that? And then leaves like, she just wants to sleep like on her own. She won't let me cuddle her. So I just kind of have to let her be, even though she's like really cute. And I want to, I want to pat her head. Oh, Archie does the same thing. Um, I completely feel you. Oh, he'll sleep on my side of the bed, like where I sleep. And then I come to bed and he'll be like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> exactly. Like Aubrey yeah, literally dude. thinks that this is her bed. And like <laughs> when I get into my bed she's like why would you do that we've done this to ourselves (laughs) you can't say no they're people yeah no exactly I treat my dog like a person and you know when she won't drink tap water I'm like okay well like I don't drink tap water either so like can't blame you either (laughs) but being a labor and delivery nurse that sounds so incredible I mean I couldn't think of any other area of nursing that would be more, I guess, positive in the sense of people uh, coming to receive medical treatment for something happy, something beneficial, something wonderful um, many times in their life, maybe not all the time, but many times. And it sounds like it's such a wonderful specialty to be taking up. Uh, how are you feeling about and what, and what actually made you get into this area? Honestly, I'm just so grateful that I got into labor and delivery um, so early on in my nursing career. 
because normally it takes a while um, and you need a lot of experience in order to get in. Um, But honestly, a lot of my sexual assault experience led me into women's health. Um, There was a lot of things that I didn't understand when I was being sexually abused that kind of made me start researching and literally like pretty much read the Planned Parenthood website front to back. Um, And I realized I really liked women's health. Um, And labor and delivery can be like a super happy area, but it can also be really stressful for the mom and the nurse. And sometimes it's really sad. Um, And, you know, maternal health in America is really bad. Um, I think the current rates are 17 out of every 100,000 moms delivering will die. Um, Whoa. which is like really bad for a first world country. We're the worst um, in the, you know, all first world countries. So I really want to be part of, you know, the group of people that are trying to help decrease that. Because I think women are just so like, anything that they do is dramatic. And I'm just like, that's, so incorrect but society is like oh a woman is like screaming in labor like oh like no like nothing's wrong like just ignore her when like in reality you really should be taking your patient seriously um all the time because people know their bodies I'm never gonna say that I know somebody's body better than them literally and I've had this like I said this so many times to different people um like my pain threshold is a lot higher than most others because I was a gymnast and I've broken nearly every bone in my body. Um, I also had endometriosis and polycystic ovaries and cysts burst. So when I say I'm in an eight or a 10 out of 10, I mean it, right? But there are people who the worst pain they've ever experienced is a muscle cramp. That doesn't mean that you have any right to give them no pain relief and give me some pain relief or conversely, give them some pain relief. And if mine is associated with what you consider to be menstrual cramps in inverted commas, then you don't give me any, like you've, you have to address it as a medical professional on face value. And the hard part is, and I just reposted a thing on my Instagram the other day, it was like this welcome to endometriosis uh, health forum kind of thing. And it was all men. There was not even one single physician that was a woman that was presenting on endometriosis. It was like, there's something wrong with this picture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the people, at least like 50% or more of the people on that forum should be women with endometriosis or like AFAB people with endometriosis. Um, Because like, I don't know. I just think representation matters and it's not going to be entirely accurate if all of the people presenting are have no chance of having endometriosis and like yeah, they're physicians. That's great to have a medical um experience and background, but at the same time, like that's not representation. And it's not always what they say is, I mean, I've been in hospital a few times and I remember I had a drain in my abdomen. And the lady, I feel so sorry for her. Like um, she came over to me and she was like, I'm just going to pull the drain out. It's just going to be a small little bit of pressure and and it's going to feel like a small little scratch. And this is, I can, I can hack pain. Let me tell you, I can hack pain. This was the most, one of the most painful and traumatizing experiences of my life. Cause it was in there. Like it wasn't just in there a little bit. It was in there. I clawed her arm and I made, I broke the skin and I made her bleed. And I was like, I'm so sorry. That was just she didn't, she wasn't angry at me. She was like, it's okay. I'm like that. You need to not say that to people. Like that was incredibly painful. No, just like, Oh, it's like a little bit of, no, it's not. You're literally pulling a tube out of my body. (laughs) A little bit of warning would be nice. Yeah. Oh God. Um, but no, I, I think it's really interesting that this is the area you've come into, especially because of your personal experience. Do you mind telling us about your experience with sexual abuse and, and what that was like for you um in your lifetime like where did that begin for you um so it started when i was 19 uh with my first boyfriend um before then i had never even had my first kiss um i had no dating experience in high school i just really wasn't 
interested in dating. I had too much like family stuff going on. And I saw my sister's horrible dating experiences. And I was like, why would I want to do that? Like, um, and you know, I knew about sexual assault and like, I knew about certain coercion and everything. Um, I started getting into activism and feminism when I was like 15. Um, and there was a point in my life, uh, I think I was like 16 or 17 when I looked around and I realized that every one of my friends had been sexually assaulted or sexually abused as a child. Um, so it wasn't like I was uneducated on the topic, um, which I think was the biggest thing that was hard for me to believe that it had happened to me. Um, I met my boyfriend, um, at the time and my sexual abuser, uh, at his sister's graduation party. Um, his sister was a close friend of mine and I had went to her graduation party and met him and he was real charming and everything. Um, and, uh, we had started talking a little bit and then my friend had moved and we, um, my ex-boyfriend and I, uh, reconnected on Instagram and that's kind of how we started talking and dating and everything. So that's when you guys kind of like met and came together. What age were you when this kind of happened? I was 19. Um, when I met my sexual abuser, when you met him. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the sexual abuse, um, actually all of the sexual abuse was while I was 19. Um, cause I was dating him for nine months relationship. You said you were talking on like Instagram and stuff when you reconnected and, and all of that. What did the beginning of this relationship, I guess, look like for you? Um, so in the beginning, it I felt like it was so rushed. Um, and I, you know, I didn't know that that necessarily wasn't normal. Um, it was definitely a love bombing situation. And um, he used certain language to make me feel special and kind of, the sexual talk started very early, um, even though he knew that I had never done anything. And I felt a lot of pressure um, about like talking about sexual things uh, with him. And within a week of reconnecting on Instagram, um, he wanted to come up and visit me because um, he lives or he lives like right outside of DC, which is about four and a half hours away from me. Um, and he was like, Oh, I'll get a hotel and everything. And like, we can go out on a date. Um, which I was like fully okay with. I was like, okay, we're going to go out on a date. Like yeah. it's going to be fine, whatever. Someone making um, effort, putting effort in it's, it feels lovely. Yeah. And then I like, and then I go home and whatever. Um, but he got a hotel and he got in a little bit late. And we were like, oh, he's going to drop off his stuff at the hotel and then we can go on a date. And, you know, we get back to the hotel and I sit on the bed and I kind of lay down while he's unpacking his stuff and he comes over and he kisses me. Um, and this was, this was my first kiss. Um, uh, no warning, nothing, uh, which I feel like should have been a red flag. Um, and I was like, oh, like that was, that was my first kiss. Um, and he kind of started doing more, um, and touching me. And I didn't really know how to communicate like that. I was feeling a bit uncomfortable. Um, and he did ask a bit, like whenever, um, there was like when we first started, um, you know, making out, I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. I guess like I'm a little uncomfortable with the touching. Um, but at the same time it was new and I was like, Oh, like I feel this like tingling pressure in my back I like that means I'm excited when in reality like I know that now is like I was scared um and 
it kind of continued further than that. Um, and I, I did feel a lot of pressure. Um, and he didn't push it that far the first night, um, which in my mind, I was like, Oh, he respects consent. Like, this is, this is great. He's, he's good. Like, I don't have to worry about this. Yeah. But I guess as somebody, and he obviously knew that you, you know, never kissed before, even, even if after that kiss, that's the time that you've said that, you know, if that's what that means, it obviously for most people would mean that you've done nothing further than that as well. So I feel like pushing you further than that without being very gentle with you is compliance testing as well. Like pushing to see how compliant you will be to a certain point, um, yeah. you know, and, and it is with hindsight that you can look back as well and see those things. But for yourself feeling uncomfortable, there's a power dynamic change. You know, he's probably more experienced. He's come all of this way oh, for absolutely. you. You kind of feel like, do I owe it to him because he's made this effort for me? So there's a lot of social and societal norms at play here that, you know, add into this feeling that you're having. And, you know, this is the first time you're going through this experience. So, of course, you're concerned and confused and and scared. It's just it's so unfortunate that he's he's taken it to that point initially, you know, like that it's felt like that for you for the first time. Yeah, um, there was definitely a power dynamic going on. Um, he was older than me um by almost four years um or no three years he was three years older than me um and he was a marine he was much bigger than me um and I am 19 and my parents are away and I am at a hotel you know in the middle of nowhere with this guy like there wasn't anybody I could call for help and I guess like maybe this is naive of me not knowing much about Marines, but they're quite combat and like trained. They're, they're professionally trained to be very skilled in combat. Is that right? Exactly. Um, Marines are trained um, for combat and, you know, to kill people. So, and I know this now, I didn't know this then, but um, Marines have a very, high rate of sexual assault and sexual abuse. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I did find that out actually. One of the th- reasons I've always wanted to go into the defense force was because I want to work with these perpetrators um, because there are such higher rates of it because I think it comes down to this power dynamic. But I guess the reason I'm saying that is you, you kind of already know that this person is very skilled in this area. So, you know, when you go back and think about all of the experiences in your life, like if you've turned somebody down or you've been taught your whole life to be, you know, always nice and we're taught to be nice and lovely and accommodating to other people as women, we're taught this is what we're supposed to be, this is what we're supposed to to act like, to do, you know, you're going against everything in your mind and then you've got this undertone of power, especially with somebody that is skilled in that area. If I push back, you know, and it might not be a conscious thought of yours, but your mind is making up these, you know, microsecond decisions that your brain is in no way capable of even thinking about or understanding. Like this is your autonomic nervous system. This is your whole body reacting very quickly to something. And it's all based on your own, you know, life experiences. And I think that plays into it as well. Like this feeling of unsafety. And I'm so sick of hearing people say like, oh, there wasn't a physical threat or something like that. And it's just like to be physically threatened by somebody doesn't have to mean that they have physically threatened you. Somebody that is a foot taller than me and weighs 10 kilos more than me standing over me is physically threatening. Yeah. I know that I can't defend myself. Yeah. A guy that's like much bigger than me by like at least a hundred pounds, like on top of me, like that's, that's threatening. Um, at that yeah. point, like I was definitely underweight I was like real skinny and small and everything. Um, like I, I definitely have like an attitude and like, I've always had this like, mm, yeah, don't fuck with me. But at the same time, like I, I was scared. Like I, I didn't feel like I could fight back that well. Like yeah. he was trained in combat. And I think it comes down to this 
you know, enthusiastic consent as well. Like if you're not a hundred percent participating in this, there, you know, maybe he doesn't know that you're scared, but he would know from your actions that you weren't a hundred percent into it. You know, that's the, that's the question. I'm really proud of some of the states in Australia who have changed the sexual consent laws to be affirmative consent, which means basically that consent cannot be assumed. It has to be actively uh, shown in some way. So you have to prove what somebody's done to show that they were consenting. Um, and yeah, I just, I think that there's a different differentiation in that area. And it just, it's sad to hear, like, obviously I know that you've got a lot more of your story to tell, but you can just empathize with this young 19 year old. Like you're so young at 19. Yeah. You think, you know, the world. Oh yeah. I thought I was just like, oh my God. Like, you know, the whole like, oh, you're mature for your age. Like, no, I'm traumatized. Like, doesn't mean like I know my shit. Like if anything, like I just was acting on like what I knew, you know, from experience as a child, which like was a lot of trauma. So of course, like, you know, there's trauma as a child with like parents and like an unhealthy relationship. And like, I've never like seen a healthy relationship. Obviously it's going to be hard for me to really like understand the level of abuse that I was going through. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sorry, I laughed and just like the way that you said it, I'm, I'm not, this is, I'm traumatized. It's like, it's not funny because of it, but it's like with two people who, I'm just thinking from the listener's perspective, you know, like we're looking at each other and reacting to each other, but at the same time it is, it's so true. And, you know, you don't have any idea what anybody else has gone through in their lives and we can't predict what our responses in a threatening situation will be. Nobody knows, you know, that's why you train so hard to be something like a Marine because you've got to train yourself to run towards danger You know, that's why police officers and stuff do so much training on these different things because you need to learn to run towards instead of away from or to stop from freezing. Um, And you can only get that through experience, repetition and getting, you know, in the situation. So um, I completely feel you. I think that, like, I mean, I've been in trauma-informed care for um, about two and a half years Um, And I've been in therapy since I was 14. I'm about to be 23. Um, But it wasn't until I started seeing my trauma specialist that I really realized that like, oh, okay, I understand why I reacted the way I did because I had a very chaotic childhood. um, And there was a lot of like actual threats that I had to just kind of be okay with. Um, because I was a child and I couldn't get myself out of that situation. So it makes sense that my reaction to being sexually coerced um, and being in an abusive relationship wasn't like this whole body reaction of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, it's it's actually in the beginning of my trauma work um, I reacted more poorly to being in healthy situations because it was so abnormal that my autonomic nervous system was just constantly in fight or flight that, you know, not being in fight or flight felt more threatening. Yeah, because we, you know, it's almost the devil you know, isn't it? You you become so used to living under these conditions or within a state of walking on eggshells, for example, where you feel like no matter what you do, you're going to get in trouble or, you know, and to be in somewhere where you feel other than that, then of course, because it's such a different feeling from like this first experience that you've had with him at the, at the hotel um, on that night, like your first ever kiss as well. Where did that progress from after there? Um, so the next day, um, I mean, I slept there, uh, and I, um, I didn't necessarily want to stay there. Um, and I kind of was like, Hey, can you take me home? Like, I don't know. Like I brought like some clothes, like just in case, but like, and like my meds, but i I don't know, like, could I go home? And he was like, oh, like, I just, like, drove, like, four and a half hours. Like, I'm kind of really tired. And, like, 
to me, I was like, okay, like that, like, I won't put, I feel bad. Like they just drove so far for me. Like, you know, um, and the rest of the night, um, he did, uh, try to have sex with me. Um, and it did get to a point where, um, he was like, okay, like, let's, you know, let me put my dick inside of me, you know, at that point. Um, and I just, I, there was part of me that was curious, but also like part of there, that's the thing about like a sexual, sexually abusive relationship. Um, because there's, it, it wasn't like every single time that like something happened was like coercive or bad. Um, because like part of me was curious and kind of wanted it, but there were so many other factors that I didn't consent to. Um, and he didn't use a condom and I was like, I want you to, and he was like, Oh, well, I don't have one. And like, kind of just continued. Um, and I had just, um, gone at a different birth control, like the week before that, which it wasn't effective yet. Um, and that really scared me. Um, and we didn't end up, um, fully having sex. Um, he tried to, um, which it was really painful, which makes a lot of sense now because um, I'm getting exploratory surgery to see if I have endo uh, next month. Um, And like, it's insane that it took this long because I've been having pain during sex, bleeding during sex, all this cramping for like years. Um, And something that I do like really remember and something that I really associate with this relationship is I remember waking up the next morning and seeing my blood um all over the sheets um and it was like in various places all over the sheets and that really I that's something I connect with that relationship a lot because there are so many times that I bled during sex um or you know my sexual assaults um And I didn't really realize that that wasn't necessarily normal, like health wise or like sex wise until I started having healthy sex years later and realized like, I really don't believe that often anymore. And it's such a vivid thing to see somebody's blood, you know, unless you're in the context of, you know, getting your period or something like that, where you're used to seeing it and it's okay. Even then in that circumstance, like that's, you're just like a bit shocked sometimes. I mean, you know, any uh, vulva owners out there, like when you take your undies down and you don't realize you've got it, you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, I, I think, you know, all vulva owners remember their their first period <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, Talk about like, trauma, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh like, I feel like that is a little bit traumatic for everybody that has had a period. Um, yes. Even, you know, years later when you have had your period and you're like oh shit like yeah absolutely but I think it's such a vivid thing as well it's the same thing as like um you know seeing a broken bone or something seeing blood is we we inherently associate blood with bad and you know having it all over the sheets it's like a scene you know a crime scene kind of thing and you've got so many different layers of things that you feel in that moment like what was it like for you in that moment was it just you know, is this, are you talking about it just that one off time or just this series of memories of waking up and seeing that, like, was there embarrassment and shame or was it more shock or? I think like there was definitely a lot of shock. Um, and and, like, there's been, there was later times where it was like embarrassment. Um, and there was a lot of like, I felt like something was wrong with me um, because it, it continued like past the first few times. Um, And my ex-boyfriend used that as a way to sexually coerce me further. Um, 
I, there was so much shock the first time, like seeing that blood. Um, and there was still shock like later on, but that first time was just like, oh my God, like, cause you know, you associate, yeah, you associate blood with bad, um, and pain. And there was part of me that was like, oh, okay, well, like it was just my first time. Like, oh, like he like broke my cherry, whatever. Um, but we never like actually like physically like had full continued sex at that point. Like it was an attempt and there was like a few attempts before, like I was able to actually like have sex. Um, so the fact that there was that much blood definitely looking back now is very concerning. There was a time, um, the second time that we tried to have sex, um, that I had like blood, like running down my legs and like, it was all over him as well. And I had to like wash off in like a gas station before I like went home to my parents. And like, there was definitely a lot of shame and embarrassment then. Um, and I remember like crying to him about like how I feel like there's something wrong with me. And he wasn't super empathetic. He was like, oh, just like go to your doctor, whatever, like this, you know, Um, I'm kind of annoyed with it. And that was a way of him um, coercing me into not using condoms, which was a big thing of my sexual abuse. Um, He would often say like, oh, well, like, there's no way I can fit inside you with a condom because you're just so tight. You just like, you bleed like, yeah. And I'm like thinking about this now and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I know I was 19 and young, but like, I am just like, how, like, how could that exit his mouth? And like, he thinks that that's okay. And that's like, yeah, for him, that's just fucking ridiculous. It's like guys who say condoms don't fit me. No, it's actually funny because um, my girlfriend and I will sometimes like, like, this is so funny. Like, <laughs> we'll literally be like, how far does this condom go? So like, they literally have like put the condom like up to their elbow and they're like, like there's no way it's going to fit. Um, yeah. yeah, literally. Like, it's just... It's ridiculous. But I think like that from a grown ass man, you know, ridiculous. But from your point of view, I'm, I have so much empathy for you in this situation because you are like, this is forms of coercion. You know, he's trying to, it's coming across as if like, it's a wonderful suggestion and he's trying to be helpful. And he's like, you know, I'm just trying to make it easier for you. And then, you know, this part of your brain that's been taught again to be lovely and accommodating. He's doing something nice for me. Thank you. You know, like it's, it's phrased in such a different way and you can see how this has gone. You know what I mean? I can, I can feel from what you're saying, how this must have felt for you being like, I've got trauma going on. You know, I've got this going on in my life. I've got this relationship, you know, in inverted commas with this person with, you know, how, Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The sex, the bleeding, the pain. You've got a lot going on and this is something you've never gone through before. Like you don't know what's normal for sex. You don't know what's normal for anything. And now obviously in hindsight uh, with the qualifications and the study that you have, you can look back on it with eyes and be like, there was a very different thing going on there. Yeah, exactly. Like it definitely emphasis on the fact that like, I thought he was being helpful. It's like, Oh, like, I don't, I don't know how condoms work. Like, (laughs) I don't know how, like what it's like to wear one, like, and sex in America. And I feel like most places is so geared toward male pleasure and like not, you know, female pleasure or like vulva owner pleasure. Like it's not geared toward that at all. Um, So I, I, I felt like I was, you know, I also had to be accommodating because like, oh, like, well, it's uncomfortable for him to wear, you know, a condom, whatever. Um, but there was no consideration about how that was affecting me because I was so scared of being pregnant um, or getting pregnant uh, or getting an STI. I... I'm not allowed to be on like an estrogen based birth control because um, I go blind. Um, What a complication from like the, what a weird side effect. Yeah. So it's common um, for people with migraines um, when they're on like a combo pill, um, the estrogen can cause neurological side effects like losing your vision. Wow. Um, I have to be on a progesterone only, but you know, when this was happening in 2018, the main progesterone only pill was only like 89% effective. And uh, I was so scared of pregnancy also because my sister um, had just had a baby and had some serious complications um, that I just, I didn't want that to happen. I was in my second year of nursing school. I wasn't ready to have a baby. I was so scared about that. And he knew that I was so stressed about getting pregnant. And I felt like my concerns were just kind of like shoot away. Like they weren't taken seriously. Yeah. Like you're the, um, uterus owner in this situation. You're the one that has to bear the burden of that. There's no consideration that he feels is, uh, obligated to him because he doesn't want to wear a condom and that's it. There's no like, you know, emotional support there. Um, yeah. that's really disappointing. And I can see like how much that would be difficult for you as well. Like you can just feel this is like a drip, 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 like a layer on layer on layer. And it doesn't maybe have to be this one huge thing, but these little insidious things that these coercions, these, you know, gaslightings, you know, I think for him to not even take this seriously 
is a gaslighting thing. Could just being like, oh, you know, just go see your doctor. It's like not taking my my fears seriously. You're not taking my feelings seriously. You're making it sound like I'm making a big deal out of nothing. Like I think these all kind of come back into that control. And one thing I do want to say before I forget as well is, you know, before in that first situation, and please tell me if I'm getting this wrong, when you were saying that this is like, you know, you did, you were interested in having sex. You were curious about having sex. Like, So there were different things at play there. I feel like that's the ultimate coercion though. Like, I feel like you wouldn't have gone into that room being like, this is what I want to do. Or, you know, at many times that night being like, this is exactly what I want to do. But I feel like from what you were saying in that initial encounter, it's like, you've been pushed, 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 you know, and consistently pushed. And then you're like, okay, I, I am curious. Maybe this is the time for me rather than it being this affirmative. And I don't want it to come across as if that you were wrong for feeling that way. I don't want, I don't want that to come across at all, but that is where consent is lacking. That's where the coercion comes in because that's, even if you feel desire, but you've been pushed and pushed and pushed to this point, that is still not okay because you have not come to the conclusion that you wanted to have sex of your own free will. And I think that's an important distinction to make for people. If you yeah, are pushed to a point and then you consent, or you push to a point and then you concede, then that's not consent. Yeah, it's not. Um, and you're absolutely right because, like, yeah, like I, I felt like, oh, okay, like I guess, like I guess we'll try this. You know, I, I was, I was pushed for a while, and that's you know something that I've, I've learned now is that if I am going you know, over to somebody's place that I'm interested in, or there's a possibility of sex, you know, I always kind of like check in with myself beforehand and say like, okay, do I want to have sex tonight? And if I don't like, I make that very clear. Um, and if I end up like later on the night, like changing my mind, I definitely really like pause and think about it. Um, and you know, check to make sure that there wasn't any pressure there. Um, because it's, it felt so natural, um, but like in reality, like it shouldn't be. But like sexual coercion in a, like in America specifically, but probably so many other places, um, is is just so natural because like my friends, you know, had all these experiences, and my roommates were not using protection with their boyfriend and it just felt like, oh, like, that's just what it's like to have a boyfriend. Um, That's normal. Um, And it just, it it felt natural. And in reality, like it it was coercion. Yeah. And it's really difficult to make that distinction in real time without any experience, without having these consistent chats about what to expect, what's right, what's wrong, having a really, really well-rounded breadth of understanding around the nuanced information and details around consent. Um, you know, even in that discussion, it takes a while maybe for somebody to understand that part of consent. You know, they a lot of people have said consent is so easy. Yes means yes, no means no. That is that is completely false. It is not. Yeah. And you're operating with two different people's understandings of something that is completely grey in a many areas. So that's why I always say err on the side of caution to people, not to be. You know, I've had guys say, oh, do you want me to get an affidavit out to make sure? Like, shut up. You don't need to get a statutory declaration and have someone, you know, notarize and sign it. But it has to be that definition, you know, the affirmative actions, the affirmative on both parties to want to do this. You know, you can change your mind freely and be like, fuck yeah, and what a great thing to do and go, I'm checking in with myself. Was there pressure here? What a great thing to say to someone, especially a young person listening to this or somebody in a marriage where, you know, they might not be sure. It happens in marriages for 25 years, you know, this coercion. If you've been pushed or bribed or, you know, anything of that nature, that's not consent. So what a great uh, tip as well from you, Sid, there. I think that's really great to say have that reflection if you do change your mind. Has there been pressure present here? I, I wish I knew younger. Um, and like, I'm really privileged to have, you know, the opportunity to, to, to go to a trauma specialist and to go to somebody who like has a lot 
lot of experience, you know, with sexual assault and, you know, give me good tips, but like at 19 and like, you know, kids have sex at 14, 15, like, you know, how, how are they supposed to, you know, know these things when sexual education is so poor? Like I was never taught about consent at all in my sexual education. I was like, I was taught about STIs and like, oh my God, you're going to like go to the bathroom and you're just going to have herpes everywhere. And like, it's going to be horrible. And like, that's like, like, it's a fear tactic. I was, you know, I wish I was even taught about consent. Everything that I learned about consent was, you know, from friends or an older sibling or like social media. Like, I, I wish there was a solid educational base um, at a young age that I could go into my relationships being educated enough to know what was right or wrong and what I wanted to do. Or to have some tools be given to you where you can employ them and say, um, I don't feel comfortable with this. Or can we talk about boundaries before I come around tonight or something? You know what I mean? Like things that you can both employ that are tools, but you're exactly right. And I was the same. I think, you know, I've got another podcast coming out next week and we discussed the same thing. And I made this analogy, not an analogy, but it just reminds me of Mean Girls where he's just like, if you have sex, you will get chlamydia and you will die. And it's like, first of all, chlamydia is completely curable very easily. Uh, In England, it's not even embarrassing to get it. I know guys that would just start clapping and they called it the clap, like everybody got it. It was like a rash of passage. Um, Over here as well, like we weren't taught fucking anything we just left those classes thinking that herpes was going to ruin us and destroy our lives and or we were going to get pregnant which would ruin us and destroy our lives and I was talking to somebody recently who I know who got herpes in high school they live a wonderful happy amazing life and so many people live every day with herpes and it's okay it's completely fine it's more people have it than you know yeah most times people you you can't tell that anybody has herpes because unless there's an outbreak then you know you you look completely like normal regular your regular vulva like you can't can't tell that you have herpes most of the time absolutely so on so many levels of sex education we are completely you know, left in the, in the dark about everything. And I just, I hate that so much because it just, it leaves people unsafe at the end of the day yeah. because you and don't I- even feel com- comfortable having the conversation. Cause when people just tiptoe around it, it indicates to you, okay, this is something that I can't talk to people about. I yeah, can't go to somebody and be like, Oh, I've got like a blister on my vulva or I've got a blister on my penis. You know, does anybody else have that? Does anybody else experience that? Well, you you know, you, you should be able to have those conversations. It's okay. There's no shame in any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there really shouldn't be shame because like tiptoeing around it just kind of creates a stigma of like, oh, like this is, this is shameful. I can't talk about this. Like, oh my God. And then like when there's that shame, you're less likely to reach out for help. Um, because like, oh, like if I can't talk about like, oh, I have like, a little bump, you know, like on the, on my vulva, like, Oh, like if I'm shameful about it, I'm not going to reach out and like maybe talk to my mom or like go out to the clinic and like have it checked. And it just leads to so many things. It just, it really pisses me off more than anything, but you know, and, and that, that's where it comes down to with consent as well. We are just failing people on left, right, and center to even arm themselves with tools to be able to facilitate better conversations. And I just think that it's really sad that more people aren't doing it. You were talking about how, you know, you've got this trauma associated with the blood. What was the like remainder of your relationship kind of like? And, and what was the, what was it that precipitated it ending? So, I mean, it was a a decently long relationship. Um, It was nine months, um, maybe to other people that's not a long relationship, but like, (laughs) to me it is. Like, I feel like that's a long time. Um, but yeah, so, uh, um, around maybe a month and a half and we had 
fully like had a completed sex and everything. And um, it was like on his birthday, which was another thing that like, this is such a culture thing um, of like, ah, yes, like giving you my virginity for your birthday. Um, There's so much, so many cultural influences that I wish I was educated on that be like oh those are bullshit um just more things that like you know 19 year old me was thinking about how like how this is going to be pleasurable for, for him when in reality like I never enjoyed sex um it was the first time I had sex with a girl that I was like wait a second <laughs> wait a second you're supposed to enjoy sex. This is supposed to be fun. Like you're supposed to be like, Oh my God. Yes. I want this. It was a wild realization, but, um, I never felt that in my relationship with my ex-boyfriend. Um, and, uh, by that point we had had multiple arguments about using protection. Um, this was an argument we would have, you know, at least once a month. Um, and I had so many pregnancy scares. I remember my first one, we started dating in June. Um, and my first one was in probably, it was either late August or early September. It was right when I went back to school and, um, I had gone to, um, my school's clinic cause I had like what I thought was a sinus infection. And um, it was the first time that I hadn't gotten my period because of my new birth control. And they were like, oh my God, like you're probably pregnant, you know? And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I had um, a school event like a little bit later that day for a club and I was walking home to get changed. And I called him and I was like, hey, like, they want me like they did a pregnancy test and like it was negative, but they like feel like I might be pregnant. Um, and they want me to take another one in a few days. And he was like, okay, well then like, you'll just get an abortion if it's positive. And I was like, um, I don't necessarily like, I don't know if I want that. But it's not and, even just that. It's the fact that you have to think about it, consider it, take time out of your day to go to a clinic, to do the, all of these additional things that takes up your time, your effort, your emotional strain, your emotional stress. Like these aren't small, easy things. These are huge, huge things. Like it's not, you can't just be flippant about it like that. Yeah. And like, it's just so ignorant and inconsiderate to the fact that like, That is extremely stressful to think about, oh my God, do I want to go through this, you know, very stressful thing on my body for nine months? Or do I want to go through a procedure that is, you know, it's not always invasive, but it's still like a thing happening to my body that like, he's not experiencing at all. And like, he doesn't have to like deal with the repercussions of that. Um, And I told him that, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's what I want. And he was like, what do you mean you're pro-choice? And I'm like, you just said it. You just said the answer. (laughs) Choice. Um, Just because I'm pro-choice doesn't mean I want an abortion. I might want a kid right now. I might want to give it up for adoption. He was like, oh, you couldn't handle that. Um, And this was, an argument that happened uh, a few times, um, which really led to me being more scared and shameful. Um, And I started taking pregnancy tests, you know, every two to three weeks just to make sure um, because there were so many arguments about him not wearing protection. um, And part of me just felt like, okay, I guess, this is normal because my roommates, you know, their boyfriends didn't wear protection. And, you know, now I understand now that like they, they were okay with that. Um, and I, I wasn't educated enough to know that like, okay, like 
this, it, it, it isn't normal for, you know, my boyfriend to be kind of pressuring me into it. I didn't understand the level of coercion that was happening. Um, and I, like, that's the thing is like, it was coercion. And sometimes I feel guilty about it. Cause like in my head, I was like, Oh, I didn't fight like hard enough. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and that is like completely not like not okay for me to feel because it's okay for me to feel that way, but it's, I don't need to feel guilty about that because of all the pressure that was happening. Um, and how, you know, uneducated I was about the topic. Um, I thought that was normal. And at the time, you know, I was having arguments with him about it, but at the time I wasn't, you know, I was too young. And there is a naivety there. There is a vulnerability there. And I think that what you're talking about is this power imbalance and you're, you're juggling so many different things in terms of how you feel and what you want and what he wants and all of those different things. You're, you're managing so much. Um, it's difficult to make decisions of your own free will when you're not really sure what your own decisions are anymore. Yeah, that's the thing is like there was so much coercion sexually that like it was really hard to even understand what I wanted anymore um, because it was kind of all about him. So what was the, the end for you then? When did the when did the end happen? Did you finally say I've had enough? Um, what was that like for you? Um, so there was a few other, like, I guess you could say like more like violent sexual assaults. Like it, it kind of went like past sexual coercion into, you know, of of course sexual assault is like an umbrella term, but like there were like a few, like more like rapes, um, where he would, fuck me while I was like just waking up or kind of asleep. Um, I would wake up to him inside of me. Um, there was a time when we were about to take a shower and, um, you know, something that he kind of pressured a lot was the idea of, um, anal, which was pretty much not the most traumatic thing, but like, that's something that like, I still have a lot of, you know, trauma and PTSD reactions to. Um, Because there was a time we were about to shower and I was completely naked and he was too. And um, I was just kind of being silly and I like, you know, was like in the bathroom kind of like twirling around and I like shaked my butt a little bit. Um, and he pushed me against the counter and put his dick and, you know, and it was anally and, um, I instantly like fell to the ground and like started crying and there was, you know, a moment where he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not going to happen again. Like, and I like, part of me just didn't even know how to process that. I like, I, I, I knew that was wrong. Um, and I knew that that was like very clearly assault. Um, but at that point, you know, we had already been dating for a while. This was maybe like a month or two before we broke up. Um, and I didn't know how to process the fact that, you know, my boyfriend had just done that to him, like, and how he explained it to me was like, Oh my God, it's just a mistake. That's, that's not the case. And it is like very excruciating. It's not like looking back there. And this is something that I still like process in therapy. Um, there were just so many things that were so disrespectful to my body. Um, and just 
no respect or thought or consideration about how certain things were going to affect my body. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my conversation with the amazing Sydney. Now we're going to be back with part two next week. So please come back and join us then. Bye. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.